Hey everyone, I'm Joe Chicarone, and this is Built Not Born, episode 78. Today's guest is Tanya Del Rio. Tanya Del Rio is the author of the book, Happy, Healthy, and Zen. Tanya is a sought-after wellness and mindful coach. Tanya was born in Mexico City. She has her PhD in microbiology from New York University. She thought she was going to have a life in the lab doing research. The next thing you know, anxiety threw her for a loop, as so many of us have to do in our careers. She had a pivot. She transitioned from being a scientist to a health and wellness coach. Tanya now has been leading health and wellness programs in the city of Paris for the last 10 years. We have a far-ranging discussion that talks about stress, the effects it has on the body, and how to keep our physical and mental performance in line to have the most positive impact we can with our families, our careers, our friends, and our life. It's a fun conversation with a fascinating person. I hope you enjoy. If you like what you hear, please hit that follow button. We have a bunch of awesome interviews like this one to come. Enjoy my conversation with author, podcaster, and PhD, Tanya Del Rio. Coming to us all the way from Paris, France. And remember, life is built, not born. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) For our listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, who are you and what do you do? I like to think of myself as a scientist who turned health and wellness coach in my own journey of managing stress. And now I'm really on a mission to share with others this idea that we can be healthier, we can be happier, we can feel more calm and present. And it's a skill that it's built. And I'm really grateful and honored for the opportunity to share that with others. Now I'm based in Paris, so I help people to feel more calm and zen in the city of lights. Where did you grow up? So I was born and grew up in Mexico City and in a multicultural family. So I think the seeds were planted early on for me to want to discover the world and travel. And then I went to study in New York. I started in the master's and then I transferred to the PhD program in biology. And my undergrad was in my biomedical research in Mexico. So I really thought from the beginning of my undergrad that I would do research. And as I was working towards my PhD, I I thought, you know, I'm going to have a lab and I'm going to do research and I'm passionate about knowledge and this idea of continue to learn and test and experiment. And then I found yoga (laughs) in my own quest for stress management. And that was change of the direction of my whole existence. You have your PhD in biology and genetics from NYU. You, You graduated from the Mexico City National University. So how does someone go from biology and genetics to wellness? How do you make that transition? It's a good question. And again, my, my PhD was in biology and I always thought I would follow that path, but it was through my research during the PhD years that I was having a lot of problems or issues moving forward on my research. There were very unexpected things happening. And I felt I was moving forward one step and then backwards too. And I think the whole process for me was very intense. 
And so I was struggling with a lot of stress and I, I was using all my skills and, and asking for help. And people kept suggesting to me to, to do yoga. And I thought I was really not the yoga type. It was very analytical, very <laughs> in my mind. And I went to try a yoga class and I ran away even before the yoga class started because I felt that it was too overwhelming. But then I, I really was experiencing a lot of anxiety. So I thought I'll try it once since everyone says that it's, it could be a good thing for me. And so I feel like I was in the right place at the right time with the right teacher. Every, all the conditions align and I had a really good first yoga class experience and I think it was a combination of it was more physically active than I had expected. I felt very calm. This idea of moving and breathing and, and then having this long relaxation and someone guiding you to relax, I think tapped into, oh, there's something for me to discover. So when I finished my PhD, I graduated and I felt I really need a break. It had been a long process and I, I felt I needed just a transition time. I need to, before making any other career decision, I need a break. And I did a one month intensive uh, yoga teacher training. And that was going from micro into macro world, like thinking like all being surrounded by all these people interested and curious about the body and the breath and learning a whole other set of, of skills and tools and being so present in my body that I felt like I want more of this because it was aligned with feeling much calmer, feeling and feeling more connected to myself in a way that I had not experienced before yoga. So it was a little bit unexpected, but I think it was because it tapped into the thing that I, I was really, that made my experience of the everyday life very different. So I wanted more of that. <laughs> One of my early yoga teachers said for busy professionals, if you don't think you have 20 minutes for yoga, you, you probably need an hour. It's amazing where you think you're so busy, but you don't make time for what's really important. There are certain things you have to carve out. You mentioned that being present in the moment, enjoying what's in front of you. Could you speak to the, the power of just being mindful in the moment? I, I think living in Paris has really opened doors into studying more and learning more about mindfulness and being present. And I think it's, again, another aspect that we can really train the mind to be in the present moment. And I have a very active mind. And I think yoga had a very important, like the actual physical yoga practice had an important place in getting me moving and breathing. But the being still, I feel that it's easier for me to run and to move than to be calm and still. And I've been able to train my mind to stay calm and to be present and to really learn from the, to be paying attention to our surroundings. And I think Paris is a beautiful city for that because everywhere you look, it's, you really want to pay attention. I started meditating in 2012, like regularly. And I started with three minutes because I remember my teacher in New York said the minimum commitment is like three minutes per day. And I was teaching a yoga class and 
the students said, I, I was having this conversation and we said, okay, let's do a challenge. We meditate for three minutes and we send a message to each other. And then I started inviting other people. It became wider, more collective experience of let's just do a three minute meditation. It helped me realize that this idea of small increments that, that add up. And then it's easier to do four minutes, but the consistency of training our mind to be in the present moment and starting with small amounts of time and then lengthening, I think has been very rewarding for me in the sense of, I, I feel I appreciate my everyday life a lot more. And the more I study and the more I read about mindfulness and the more I practice, of course, it becomes something that you can use more in everything you're doing. The informal practice when you're washing dishes or you're taking a shower, brushing your teeth, you have that ability to, okay, instead of being worried about the past or the future, let's bring the attention right here, right now. And I feel that especially now that we're so distracted, it's so important to learn how to train our attention to be right here, right now, instead of 20 other places at the same time. Everyone on the planet has this little distraction box in their pocket where it's all the knowledge of the universe ever, but it's also the greatest distraction device in the history of mankind. And sometimes you don't know if, if it's a curse or it's a blessing to have to carry something like an iPhone with you. You mentioned a topic, you mentioned about just showing up for three minutes each day, show up every day for a daily practice. And that takes a theme out of Seth Godin's latest book, The Practice. Yeah where the magic is showing up each day. Everyone's busy in their own way. You might not have four hours to do something, but everyone has 10 minutes. Can you speak of the power of showing up daily to work on something for just a few minutes? Sure. And it's one of my most favorite topics because that's how I feel I've required my life. And I, I really enjoy reading Seth's book and I highly recommend it for people that are trying to build any kind of practice. But I think this idea of showing up and also James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, it's excellent in that way of the 1% increments that will add up over time. And I mean, the beauty of that, it doesn't matter if it's one minute or three minutes, but if, if you do this three minute approach to meditation or writing, or just looking outside the window or appreciating a plant or whatever it is, once how to show up for that, it's much easier to do longer periods of time. So for my morning practice, I would do 10-minute yoga, 10-minute writing, 10-minute meditation, or 12 minutes, 12, 12, 12. I started with the writing, and then I added the meditation, and then I added the yoga. And I feel that trilogy really has been a game changer in how I feel because it settles the mind and the body for, okay, let's really make sure that we are starting with the right thoughts and the right breathing, the posture. And also one, one last thing to that is that all that has to happen before looking at the phone. <laughs> Yep. Which is, I think it's that small transition because the urge is to check what messages are there. Yep. And I think that's why I, over two years ago, I, I decided for my morning practice, I'm like, this just has to be better because I, it will make me feel better. And like the little commitments that make you feel good. If you start, as uh, James Clear says in his book, if you start st stacking them, then it's a powerful tool.
There's nothing more powerful than consistency where you just show up, even if it's for a few minutes each day. If you look at, say, Anne Lamont wrote a book, Bird by Bird. She mentioned how any writer has to be comfortable with a really, she calls it a really shitty first draft. And for all first drafts are horrible. But if you took three minutes or 10 minutes to write something really bad, but then the next day you write it and write again, and you spend 10 minutes a day for 10 days, you're going to have a workable draft that needs some editing, but you have a framework there and it's the power of showing up every day. It's, yeah, it's yeah, there's yeah. magic to that. There really, there's nothing that can replace that. Yeah. And I want to add one more thing because it's my latest experiment in the, for the new year, I decided I wanted to learn Danish. My family on the, my mom's side is Danish and I've always wanted to learn, but I never made it happen. And I feel these years in Paris, I've been learning French and trying to perfect my, or not perfect because it still needs a lot of uh, improvement. But anyway, this Christmas, I, I made a decision that for this year, I would dedicate just 10 minutes per day to study Danish in one of these online platforms. And it's incredible what happens that doing this for 10 minutes every day has given me so many words. And, and now I can write little sentences and my vocabulary has expanded and it's again to show that it's starting with those three minutes, five minutes or 10 minutes. If you do it consistently, it really adds up in ways that you would have never expected. You don't have to see where you're going to put it because you already know that for those 10 minutes. And if you think of how much time we spend just responding to an email or going through social media, like 10 minutes is so little compared to the, the time we spend doing other things. So again, it's just really understanding where we want our attention to be and make sure that we place it there with intention. Being purposeful with a small group of minutes in our day to do work that matters to you and, and that makes puts you in a good headspace, it clears your mind. Phenomenal. Taking a step back, what brought you from New York to Paris? How'd you wind up in Paris? Yeah, great question. And that was my husband's job. He had an opportunity to come here for a work assignment. So it was a really good opportunity for us. So we took it and we thought we were going to be here for two years, but then it ended up being an extended period of time. And we were really happy, very grateful for this opportunity and for the doors that have opened since we're here that already 12 years that we're in Paris. What was the biggest surprise when you moved to Paris? I think the surprise was that it was so different. I really loved living in New York. New York was my city from day one. I felt like I belonged to that city. Even before moving, I was like, I want to live here. I want to be here. Paris took a little bit more because I was so I think in New York, I had my community, I had my yoga, I had all the infrastructure for support was there right away. And moving to Paris was like a brand new, we didn't know the language, we didn't know the city. It was starting from scratch building community. And I think it took adaptation. It was like, it took some time. And then we became parents a year, exactly a year after that. And I think all that year was settling in. And so that took some adaptation and figuring out. And I think for me, the biggest challenge was that I started having a lot of digestive problems when my daughter was a year old. 
And that took me in a whole other journey because I, I, I was going to doctors and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. And eventually that brought me to become a health coach. And I, I was in my quest for learning and figuring things out. I was like, I need to, this needs attention and I need to do something different. So going through that health coaching training completely changed the way we we were eating and it opened new doors. And that put me back on track in terms of my own health with new tools, because I think yoga has its very important place and meditation has its own place. But this idea of looking at health from this more holistic perspective and understanding that all the avenues of life have to be really balanced and to be able to for the body to thrive. So that was an eye-opening experience. But at the same time, it was important for me to, to discover this whole other world of becoming a health, a health and wellness coach. Can you remember the moment when you walked in a room from a molecular biologist <laughs> and you transitioned to health coach? Do you remember that pivot point? I think the yoga, I think there were different stages. I think I remember handing in my doctoral thesis and thinking, I need a break. I, I need to take time off. I really need to process all of these. And I knew I wanted to do the yoga teacher training. I said, I will do the intensive 12 hours a day, one month, and then I will start looking for jobs. And, and that just shook me up, woke me up to thinking, I want more of these. And then when we were in Paris was once again, that experience, like I started doing the health coaching and then my immediate reaction was like, oh, I want to add the yoga and the coaching and Paris all together. How long did it take you to get comfortable to call yourself a health coach, to take the persona on of I am a health coach and I provide value to my clients? How long did it take you to get that mindset? I think it's all like process. I don't think it is. It's It goes little by little. And I think I started teaching workshops right away in at the yoga center, doing these healthy, healthier eating and yoga and meditation. And I really, it, it was such a good experience because it was felt like a very safe environment because it's with the yoga students that were coming to the center. And I started exploring this idea of doing a two-hour workshop and then started coaching clients. It took, I cannot say it exactly the amount of time, but it's like an, anything else, right? It's the experience, the mindset and the practice. And when I look back, I feel like, oh, it's been a journey. And I think we'll talk later about, about how that has been really important in continuing to build that confidence and also m helping me be clear on who I want to help and why and which direction to take because I've been working with students and then with families. And then I did a book for kids to help parents with the snacks for kids. There's so many options and opportunities that it's important to slow down and say, okay, from now on, what's the direction I, I want to take? And that's a continual evolution. We have to keep testing and showing up and assessing the opportunities and seeing which direction we want to take. Your clients are busy executives in Paris. What type of problems do your clients come to you with? What do you see the busy executive going through 
in a big city like Paris. I think for once is the adaptation, right? It makes, I went through that process of moving from the US to here and not speaking the language, not understanding how things work here. And we took workshops on how to learn to work and live in France, like with the things are very different work-wise from the US to here. And so it's understanding how things work and adapting to that. So I helped them giving them all these series of tools and resources so that the transition to the work life feels easier, but also in making sure, okay, let's see how can you add uh, exercise and quality time with your family and making sure that at the same time you're enjoying Paris, right? Because we, the risk, especially with very busy executives and high-performing professionals is that then there's no time to really enjoy the experience of being in Paris. And I think that's where the three minutes or the five minutes or the going around the block in between meetings and appreciating one thing of Paris will make a difference. Again, will add up over time. And I feel that when you move here for one of these assignments of two or three years, it's critical to savor those moments because they're temporary, right? It's not that you're here and you have unlimited amount of time. And it's how can you balance it all so that you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your mind, your body, your family, and enjoying the experience. So I think that's that's my role is to support them in how how to enrich their everyday life in Paris with all these simple tools that are easily, that they can apply easily to their busy working schedule. One of the quotes I wrote down from one of your articles you published, you said, learn how to make simple moments, extraordinary ones. And it seems so easy, but that could be so difficult. Any tips or tricks on how someone could take a simple moment and then make it more special than it initially appears? I think this has been, it's postcards from Paris has been that exercise in really first getting outside because you're not going to see and learn about Paris, Paris or wherever you are. I think being outside and I think nature has a very important component in all of this. Find a tree, find a park, find something or a place that you feel like resonates with you and then be there without your phone (laughs) unless it's to take a picture and then bring attention to your senses. So what's the sky? What are you listening? Can you touch something like the bark of the trees? See with your senses. And I think it's one of the postcards from Paris was like, take your senses for a walk. And I think this is what will make a difference. And if you do it at a time where it's not so busy, especially in big cities, like if you can be outside in the morning before all the intensity happens, like that's the golden moment to be able to have a moment with the place you're at and yourself. And even if you don't go outside, I think that the whole idea of the morning practice Waking up a little earlier than everyone else and spending some minutes enjoying a cup of tea or whatever it's your morning routine, but savoring that again before getting distracted and just appreciating one thing if you like plants or if you something that you feel inspiring, but 
realizing that you're making space for that and learning uh, how to build that muscle. Because I don't see Paris in the same way I did a year ago. Like all this exercise of paying attention and catching one moment every day has made me now, it's all my like senses are awake the moment I walk outside. And I, the incredible thing is I, I go out thinking I'm going to catch one moment and I always do. And it's a different one, even in the same park, in the same, the same little tour I do in the morning. And there's always something different. There's a quote, and I forget what philosopher said this 2000 years ago, but a person never steps in the same river twice. You mentioned right there where each time you read a good book, it's a different experience. Each time you look at the Eiffel Tower at night is a different experience because you're different. Exactly. But the object might be the same, but you're different. Your mind's different. The eyes you're looking through is different. And just to recap a couple of things you said, so much about life is simple, but not easy. You mentioned get outside, get up earlier. Maybe don't touch your phone for the first minute of the day. Maybe focus on one beautiful thing out in nature. Simple things like that sometimes are so difficult to do in the busy, distracted world, but that's the key to being more happy, fulfilled, and focused. Is that fair to say? Yes, that's, uh, that's and really, it is that simple, but it's not easy to do because we're conditioned otherwise, right? Like we're conditioned to the, and, and I think we have to be very careful on how we treat all the technology and it's very powerful. We're having this conversation, like it, I am able to talk to my parents every day and, and I'm super grateful for that. But I think in terms of our productivity, ability to focus, mental clarity is so important to decide in advance, how am I going to use my best moments of thinking during the next today or tomorrow, there's a little bit of preparation that goes a long way. And to make that uh, intention of, and this happened when I was writing my book, I used to go to a cafe for three hours and no phone, no internet, no nothing. I really build the habit of sitting and writing and that was a big awakening and also because I can get distracted easily. So I have to put an uh, infrastructure in place so that I maximize my productivity. The best hours for all of us is different. But once you know that you, you think the best at that time of the day, you have to be so protective or with sleep. If you know that you need certain hours of sleep, how can you reorganize things so that you most days can get, give your body what it needs to function properly. At the end, that's the key, right? Like how can we help our body to function better? One thing you mentioned about uh, the phone, don't bring the phone unless you're taking a picture of something in nature. We have a, a little local park by our house, nowhere as nice as Champ de Mars Park with the Eiffel Tower and Echo Militaire, but it's a beautiful little park with a walking trail and a lot of evergreen trees. Yesterday, I was walking there late afternoon, and it's a beautiful day here in Philadelphia. It's 70 degrees, sunny, warm, the trees flowering and the birds flying. And a few people, they literally are texting for an hour of them walking around. Like it's just their hand to their face buried in their phone for, I passed this person like three times and they stared at their phone for 45 minutes. And I'm like, wow, what a lost opportunity. And I think sometimes we are our own worst enemies as humans. When you wrote the book, Happy, Healthy, and Zen, what did you learn in the process? 
oh my goodness, I learned so much. It was way out of my comfort zone. And I think what I, it's, what I wrote in my postcard from Paris today was that it really helped me. I think when I moved from Mexico to New York, it felt like I'm starting a new life. So it's like chapter New York and I just saw forward and not back. And then I moved to Paris and it felt like a separate container. It's like book three of my life thing, like Paris, it's its own thing. And then writing this book helped me integrate these different life stories of three different countries, three different cities, three different challenges with health uh, and wellness into one story. So for that, it, it was the first time that I really saw my life as a continuum in all of these has shaped me into who, the person I am today. And for that, that was really interesting. And a lot of it is my personal journey with my challenges, but also it's, it's integrated a, a reflection for the reader to think, how is your digestion? How is your sleep? How are you managing the, your own life challenges? And one thing that we haven't talked about, but I think as part of this wellness journey has been so important is how the importance of connection and how important it is to no matter where you are, especially when you move to a new place to really have space to build those new connections and those new relationships in the place that you're at. Because I think the it's great to stay connected with old friends and family all over the world, but I think part of the, that integration of seeing people and connecting with people in wherever you are living is extremely important as well. And it's the food that goes beyond the plate, right? It's nourishment, all these things that nourish us that are that go beyond what we put in our plates. I think it's very important to think about that as well. I like that. The food that goes beyond the plate. That is well said. I, I, I don't never heard it put that way. That's very interesting. You mentioned diet. You mentioned sleep. You mentioned moving. There's a great book. Are you familiar with Tom Rath's book, Eat, Move, Sleep? No, there, I should check it out. <laughs> there's a book a few years ago came out and he did a lot of research to live your best life. He talks about sleep, move, and eat. And if one of those three things are out of alignment, it's going to be a bad outcome because you could eat great and not sleep. It's horrible. Or you could work out all the time, but if you eat really bad food, it really doesn't matter. And he mentioned the proper alignment of those three gives you the chance to maximize your mindset, your life. And I think right on point what you're saying about the three have to be in the line, the eat, the move, and the sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it's the happy, the healthy, and the zen, right? Like yeah. the happy is like making things that make you feel good and make you feel awake and alive. The healthy is like really eat for energy and digestive comfort. And zen is like how can sleep and the relaxation, how to re help your nervous system to rebalance. So I, I think again, it's so it sounds so simple, but the actually applying all these ideas and concepts, it's the challenging part because we never have time to even think about <laughs> how to how to do it. How long did it take you and your family to feel like you belonged in Paris and Paris was home and you found that community? It was a process, I think, because it's one stage was the first year of adaptation. Then it was the transition to motherhood and then it was building community around other parents. So I yeah. think, and the health coaching journey. So I think after a couple of years, we, we've, I think we were quite well adapted. 
And but I think now, now after all these years, it it certainly feels completely like home. And but I think it, it again, it's all that mindset shift, right? It's depending on how many challenges. And in in a way, we felt at home right away. We had so much help to get settled, and it was a smooth transition. But I think feeling at home maybe a couple of years because of this transition as well to parenting that had its own <laughs> chapter. <laughs> One of the things I see that you started after you left New York and went to Paris, uh, you call yourself, I think the quote is a slow but happy runner. Ah, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> How'd you start running and uh, what's your running practice look like these days? Yeah, running was pretty much like yoga. I, I was sure it was not for me. I was, I had never <laughs> thought I could run. I tried it in New York and I, I always thought, how can people run and talk at the same time? <laughs> so in Paris, it was right away. It was uh, as soon as we arrived, I started to go to the park to Champ de Mars in the mornings and I saw all these people running. And I literally, my feet just started moving one day. I think it was that wanting that sense of belonging. I think these people look so happy. I'm like, I want to belong to the group of runners. <laughs> and, and I think craving that uh, community feeling and without exchanging a words in, in just, it was from a week to the next. I, my feet literally just started running. And so I started, I signed up for a race and then I started running races with friends and then it became a whole, but it, it is interesting in the mindset of it because even though I ran races for so many years, I always felt like I'm not a real runner. But then when I read James Clear book this summer that I committed to running regularly and I said, I'm going to use his approach, consistent 10 minutes, 15 minutes, no more than that until I feel really comfortable. And I started running and I, I really embraced the idea. At the same time as I became a podcaster, I became a runner. <laughs> and there, there, there may be no better way to see a new city or understand your surroundings than to go running. It's a, an amazing way to explore a new city. And Oh, uh, my goodness. And I think with one of my friends that we started signing off for races, like, regularly and it was it felt such a luxury that uh, streets were closed for us to run mm -hmm. uh, on a sunday and we would go there in the morning on a sunday morning where we're part of this collective group of people who enjoy running and then we had such a great time we got a medal a t-shirt it was like <laughs> and paris for us like it was like a win situation <laughs> That's great. So we mentioned your podcast, Postcards from Paris. Our connection is that we met maybe 90 days ago in the Akimbo <laughs> workshop. You were a coach. I knew nothing about podcasting whatsoever. You were a podcaster. You're one of the coaches. And one of the reasons why I'm, we're speaking right now is your guidance helped me become a podcaster. And first off, thank you for all your help. It was a, an amazing journey. And I can't believe how much ground we covered in 90 days. Tell us about your podcast and I structure a little bit of mine uh, on yours, but I'll, I'll bore you with that later. What, what brought about the postcards from Paris and what message do you hope to get out to, to the listeners when you produce? 
Thank you. And I'm also a new podcaster. I just did my the podcasting workshop uh, in the summer. So for your group, I was helping the coaches support all of you. So it was quite an honor to, to be able to be in, in your group as well. And for my experience, I, I went into podcasting when I heard this Seth describing that find your voice. The, those words stuck to me in this idea that podcasting and finding your voice. And when I went through the workshop, I had so much resistance to this idea of recording, putting my voice out there. And I think as you experience, it's such a uh, supportive community. And I did the same thing. We had this uh, exercise as the 60 second recording. Yeah. So I committed to doing 30 days of 60 seconds. So I went for a run because I was rebuilding my running habit. I went for a run to the park and I did my recording. And then in, in my group was really supportive. And someone said, ah, these sound like postcards. So that's how and yeah. everyone was cheering me along. So I published Postcards from Paris in the same way you have published your podcast. I think for me is a way to share one of these mindful moments or moments present in Paris with the audience. And it has been a great exercise because as I was describing before, the more I do it, the more I'm craving to do it. And my idea is, is one, to show up and then to share a little bit of how it is to collect these little tiny moments, going back to what you said before, that make ordinary days extraordinary and how it's nothing external. Uh, it's no, it's really me and nature in Paris. So it's these moments of me connecting to the city and the nature in the city. You mentioned one of the game-changing little activities that we did in that workshop is you mentioned the 60 seconds. They make you record yourself for 60 seconds and post it on the discourse board. That was a game-changer for me because one, like you mentioned about the daily practice, showing up for three minutes a day, showing up every day. Uh, that made you show up every day. Like that got you in the process of every day you hit record, you record something and then you post it and it takes three minutes. Literally, <laughs> you record for a minute and you get online and you download it and you walk away and go off on your day. But at the end, you come back from work that night and you have 10 people commenting on it. It's supportive, like you said, but it's that magic between support and feedback. And yeah. they're like, you're talking too fast. Oh, I, I thought the, the, the mic's too close to your mouth. You get all these very helpful comments that like, wow, I can iterate. I could do make three iterations. Then you do post the next one, then the next one, then the next one. And then each time you get support, but one or two tweaks, then 30 days later, you're remarkably better than when you started. You're not saying <laughs> you're great, but like the, the version of you 30 days later is 50 iterations more evolved because you had the guts to show up for three minutes, share your work, or Seth calls it ship it. You shipped it. And then you accepted the feedback and you put it in the place. And you're like, wow, I can't believe how much progress I made with the help of others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the postcards from Paris is just a continuation of that. And one thing that really 
has completely changed my perception is this idea of listening, right? I started recording sounds outside and now I'm, I'm identifying all these different birds <laughs> chirping <laughs> and I, I stand with my recording, the phone is recording and I'm like, there are the parrots and that's the other and that's the other. And I pay attention. I really am walking, but listening in a way that I've never listened before. So it's it again, like how much we can train our senses to see and hear and touch and smell, go there and I smell the spring flowers. It's you can and then your experience is completely different. You mentioned another uh, quote I liked in one of the articles you published on your website, Happy, Healthy, and Zen. You mentioned your question, how can you make today better than yesterday? And I think we just covered it where you pay attention, you listen, you listening, meaning listen to nature or listen to some feedback, have the guts and courage to make small iterations in your day or changes what you do and don't do and show up each day and do it again. And like today will be better than yesterday. Hopefully tomorrow will be better than today. Right. That's the, I think it's the secret sauce right there. Yes. Yes. I, I really like to think because not every day it's going to go perfectly. Right. And especially with creative work on, or work where we have to ship in this way, but I think it's better as you said, like it's, if we ship, then at least we have that we're, it's like doing push-ups in meditation is the same. It's like these mental push-ups. You show up, you do it. Some days are easier than others, but you just keep doing it. Here's two things I copied off of you as we're in this course, like you steal ideas from others and they're simple, but one, no music. I noticed the majority of you don't have like music intro. And sometimes the podcasts sound great when the music starts and, and then you hear background, like the talk and the music's like they're riding the music and it ends with the music. I, I spun my wheels. If I had any resistance during the podcast, the workshop is I spent one night like for an hour and a half listening to music and I couldn't find one thing I liked. And, and like I was spinning my wheels where I wasn't moving forward because I was listening to all this like instrumental free music that I could post. And I'm like, you know what? I'm out because I listened to yours and there was someone else's. I'm like out and I don't need it. I, I don't need it. And I'm just going to start. It's just going to be me. Simplicity. I'm going as simple as possible. But also to captivate. I was on one platform I wasn't crazy about and I saw you use captivate and that just user experience just was the final thing. It just pushed the whole thing over how easy it was to get started. So I appreciate you sharing both of those things. Thank you. Postcards from Paris. What's your plan for that? I think now it's so such a, an important part of my routine. <laughs> and I think it's it really has space. It's as I think as important as doing my journaling or my yoga or my meditation or my trip to the park. I want to continue because I think at least I want to give myself a year of doing them and then reevaluate. But I think it's I like the idea for my newsletter subscribers. I'm sending them a picture that goes with the audio, so it's a real audio postcard. And I've been taking so many pictures. So eventually I want to do more of this, the, uh, these ideas of combining picture with the audio and putting more on my website and things like that. But for me, it's just, I want to have the whole year. And since the seasons go with the seasons, like the I'm changing seasons in winter, spring, and I'll do a new one in summer. So 
just I want to have a first full year and then see where that takes me. I really enjoy it. It's a minute to 90 seconds of, of Zen. Uh, of, I close my <laughs> eyes. I think of my trip to Paris years back, walking through Champ de Mars Park or, or on a boat ride in the Seine or, or in, in the Louvre. And you close your eyes and for a minute, I'm in Paris again. But there was that Zen feeling you have listening to yours. So you really capture that, which is really great. What's the most exciting thing you're working on for the rest of the year? That is a really good question. So I'm launching an online program. I am working on two different ones, which have a common core, but two different for two different audiences. One is to really put all these tools and resources for executives moving to Paris into an online program to for them to use it during the first 30 days they move here. So right away, go through that online program with support and test how I think that will be really good to make the process a little bit easier for them to experience and to have all the tools gathered in one place. That's one of the big projects. And the other one is to build a corporate well-being program. So I'm working on that as well. I've given workshops many times, and but I want to do a more structured well-being program for different teams in corporate. So I'm working on those two projects right now. Paris. Give us some hidden gems of Paris that may not be in the Rick Steves guidebook. We all know about the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre and, and Sacre Coeur. Where else can people find magic little spots in Paris? I highly recommend going outside early in the morning. Get to places before it gets crowded. In the afternoon, it's going to everything is going to be crowded. So maximize the morning time like as early as possible. And wherever you're planning to visit, find a park that it's nearby because there's so many parks and there's like the, you know, more popular ones, but even the more popular ones, if you go early in the morning, it will be a different experience. Take a walk by the river and bring your picnic there. And then there are two little parks next to Anvalid. And when you see in the map, little parks go there <laughs> because usually they're very nice. And it's some definitely the Rodin Gardens. Mm -hmm. So the Rodin has a museum and then it has a garden with a little cafe. Of course, has been closed all these months. But when they open again, it's a wonderful place. It's a must-see. So Rodin Gardens, the Tuileries Gardens, and depending on what type of trip they have. But I would say... Combine the sightseeing with quiet time that you can enjoy the city outdoors, bring picnics, bring, find these little spaces. Even if you go to the Eiffel Tower, pay attention to the surroundings because people go to see the Eiffel Tower and I feel they miss looking at the flowers and the trees and the whole environment around it. Absolutely. So take time to appreciate uh, that as well. One of my favorite nights in Paris years ago when my wife and I went, when the Eiffel Tower lights up at, during twilight, the sun went down and we're just sitting in Champ de Mars Park watching the people go by and then the Eiffel Tower lights up and just amazing people watching. So cool watching the tower glitter and uh, special place. And you turn around and it's Echo Militaire is behind you and- yeah. uh, that's lit up and it's really cool. Like you feel way cooler than you actually are 
when you're sitting there <laughs> watching them. Like, I actually feel cool. I'm not cool, but I actually feel cool doing this right now. At the favorite time of the year to go to Paris, what's the best time? You're going to visit for a week. Spring. Yeah. Now it's so beautiful. It's just unbelievable. I think fall and spring have its own charm. But spring, if you pay, if you bring your senses with you mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just the amount of flowers that you have around, it's unbelievable. Beginning with mid-March to now, like to beginning of May, I think it's anytime is a good time. But I, I really, especially this spring, I've really appreciated the colors, the smells, the sounds, the all the birds are actively chirping all day long. I'll leave with this. Sometimes this question works, sometimes it doesn't. If you had to get a tattoo or maybe put a billboard up in your favorite park, I guess that'd be counterintuitive, but what quote would you either tattoo on your body or put on a billboard for all to see? Happy, healthy Zen. (laughs) Happy, healthy Zen. Perfect. And I like to, I actually like to say happy, healthy, and zen, so that the and is important, so that you're all together. So whatever that means for you, because we all have to do, go through the journey to find what that means. But I think it's if you have those three in, even in three minutes <laughs> components, you'll feel better. I appreciate your time. Tanya, if people were looking for you in happy, healthy, and zen online, where can they find you online? So it's happyhealthyandzen.com. It's my website. So I, they can send me a message, Instagram, happyhealthyzen. And Facebook, I don't use it much. And, but that's, those why, t- that's why you have Zen, because you, you're not on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. No, it is true. I have a page. I have to keep my <laughs> focus. And how about your book? If you're looking for your book or postcards from Paris? Postcards from Paris is in Apple and Spotify and most of the other podcast providers. And the book is, the Kindle version is available in Amazon. So it's like $5 or something like that. So it's Amazon in all Amazons. Happy, healthy, and zen in Paris. Just with that, they should be able to find it. Awesome. Well, Tanya Del Rio, thank you for joining us on Built Not Born. First off, I'd like to thank you for all the help you've given me over the last 90 days uh, to help get my little podcast experiment going and appreciate all the support, all the ideas, and you taking the time out of your schedule in the middle of a probably beautiful Paris afternoon to join us <laughs> on this. So thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much. And also good luck with your podcast. Looking forward to listening. Awesome. Hey, it's Joe Chicarone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you could, please leave us a five-star review. It goes a long way with connecting the podcast with more listeners. So if you could, I would really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Talk soon.